The Saskatchewan Rush have selected Thomas Kaizik. Stop by Ruska! They're the future of the team. Up top for Boudreaux, scores! Clark Walter cuts the lead down to one, and Sashtel centers rocking. Bobby Ballgame! Robert Church wins it in overtime! All right, let's get it rolling here. It's the Rush Hour Podcast. Cody Jane's in with you. I'm just going to throw this out there. How nice has it been outside? Like, I, I would be like, wow, it's a cold winter and we're just hanging out and staying warm. Nah, it's been unbelievable outside. So, hey, appreciate you tuning in. Hope the drive to work is going good. Of course, we are presented by Original 16, best beer in the game rush hour podcast. Today, I, I, I want to talk about all the recent changes, the bye week, a lot has happened since. But we also have a massive matchup coming, and it's not just because Joey Chestnut, my favorite athlete of all time, is coming to Sastel Center. It's because Panther City is a team that's also heating up. And for the rush, you've got a litmus test here. How can you compete against one of the best 500 clubs? They've got a plus nine goal differential. They're coming off a big win over Las Vegas. Now if you're Saskatchewan, you've got a chance to make a statement. Are you going to be, uh, you know, the, the team that sits back in last place in the league and says, ah, uh, you know, it is what it is. We're one in four. We're just going to go out there, play lacrosse, and hope for the best. Or are you, are you going to be the hungry dog in the corner that bites back? That's the Saskatchewan team that fans are going to want to see this weekend. And if you're Panther City, you're the, you know what you're up against. You're going into hostile territory. You know you've got the target on your back. So which Saskatchewan Rush team is it that shows up? I, I think with the changes, and obviously, uh, if you haven't heard, Bruce Alexander no longer with the team. Him and the Rush have parted ways. General Manager Derek Keenan relieves him of his duties, and, and now Derek Keenan's going to step back on the bench. So anytime you get the winning, winningest coach of all time, best coach of all time in NLL history behind the bench, it's a positive for the team. But with him and Jimmy now taking co-head coaching duties, uh, I'm really curious to see who takes over the offense because it has been the offense at times that has really hurt this rush team. I don't think the defense has been as big of an issue as it's been made out to be. Yes, it sucks losing Holden Garland for the next you know six weeks. That's not fun. Yeah, the Vancouver fourth quarter was, uh, you know, it was not fun to watch. It was just an abomination of lacrosse, and the Rush couldn't get anything going offensively, and Vancouver seemingly couldn't miss. It happens. Young team. <laughs> that's, I think definition is just shit happens, right? That, that's what it felt like. But where the offense concerned me, is this season, there's been six quarters in the first five games with two or less goals scored. Now, I know that that doesn't sound crazy. Hey, if you're scoring one or two goals, like at least you're putting something on the board. But that's just not 
where this team needs to be. The average, close to you know, 2.75, three goals per quarter, uh, especially with how the offense continues to trend up in this league during the regular season. And what's even a little bit more concerning on top of that is the 5v5 production. Again, sorry to bug you with the numbers. I know I, I don't love it myself when I hear all these numbers, but I think it makes sense to break it down. The Rush have scored 42 5-on-5 goals this season. They've scored 62 total goals. So essentially, that's 8 5-on-5 or even strength goals per game. That's just not enough. That means you're essentially relying on four power play, four to five power player special teams goals per game if you want to win in this league where the average you know team that's winning is scoring close to 13 it's just not sustainable. You need that five-on-five five offense to really pick up. And over the last two, I think we have we've seen a huge drop off in the transition production from from defensemen transition goals. We've only saw three in the past two games. Mike Messenger had two in the last one. Before that, I believe it was Jake Boudreau who scored against Albany. So one and a half. The transition goals per game not going to cut it. Where I think people need to pump the brakes is talking about Frank Shiliano. I think we, we've talked about his 1v1 save percentage, which he continues to dominate the league in that advanced analytics per lax metrics. 1v1, Shiliano has been fantastic. And over the last two games, he's been freaking good. He's got a 794 save percentage. He stopped 85 of the last 107 shots. That's just, those are numbers where you should be winning games. And again, close losses, hey, it's a learning lesson. But I really think the Saskatchewan team is another cliche. It's just better than their record shows. I think they can be better. I think they will be better. It just comes down to utilizing certain situations and capitalizing on those opportunities. I think at times, maybe it comes down to just giving the ball to the hot stick. Worrying less about maybe some of the set plays, playing a little bit more street ball at times. Hey, I think you got to trust your teammates a little bit more too. And especially in situations now where young guys are going to get to run, it doesn't seem like the, the rush are going to be making any moves anytime soon with Holden Garland out of the lineup. So now your lefty's just got a little bit younger. You know, or is Preston or Searle going to pop in? Personally, I, I think I want to see Jeremy Searle get that opportunity. I, I think, and for Isaac Andrew, that means he has to play bigger minutes. I like the challenge. I, I want to see the young guys challenge. Because if you don't challenge the young guys now, you'll never know what you've got. And I think right now, you've got a pretty dang good team that if they can get into the playoffs, teams don't want to face. Same thing. We've heard year after year. There's something about Saskatchewan. Teams don't like that. So I'm curious to see. But hey, on the pod this week, of course, we will talk Panther City later. We've got Ron Thulin, play-by-play voice of Panther City Lacrosse Club on. Also, a former member of PCLC, Mike Triolo. He joins us now on the Rush Hour Podcast. Mike Triolo. Joins us now, the big man on forward. Mike, uh, let's start off with something a, a little light here because I asked the previous guests and on the previous podcast, I know it's a little bit after the holidays, but how was your Christmas with the family? Good, good. We're both, uh, so my wife and I are both from back in the uh, Ontario, Toronto area. Um, and we moved out to Edmonton a few years back. And 
we, we weren't able to get home this year, but we had some family come out. So really nice time. And, uh, yeah, and then we, Jordan, my wife, uh, came to SAS with me for the New Year's game. So that was pretty awesome as well. And that's uh, just, uh, just moving into the new year now as best we can, right? What do you, what what is Mike Triolo doing his off time? What what do you do away from the rink when you're not thinking about lacrosse? When you're not at work? When you're you're not with the family? Give give me some Mike Triolo hobbies. Like what do you got going on? Oh geez, uh, there's not many anymore. You know, I'm, I'm actually I'm the only guy on the team other than the coaches with a kid, so it's tough to uh, find those times. I, uh, my son's two now, so. A lot of like a lot of my time is really just trying to spend as much as I can with him, and then uh, when they when he goes to bed and my wife goes to bed, sometimes I spend the odd time on the computer. It's uh, it's a lot of prep for next for next games coming up, and then gym early in the morning. And I'm honestly like, if I had time, if on our bye weekend this past weekend, I got some some time to do some things around the house, and then. I actually got maybe an hour to play some old video games I like to play, but you don't get much time anymore, honestly. <laughs> what, you what, what's, there, yeah. what's the video game of choice right now? Oh, I'm a Call of Duty guy. You know, a lot of guys on the team actually play it too, so it's nice to get out there and uh, still get the competition juices flowing a little bit. Who's the best gamer on the team? I hear Bowie's real good. That's okay. The, that's, that's, that's the word around the block is that he plays uh, quite a game, so... Oh. I'll, have to, I'll have to check out, but uh, but yeah, that's the word is that he really can really make it happen. Hey, we're we're coming off of another bye week. Um, I, I want to ask about your uh, Philly trip experience because <laughs> I we've heard from the other guys. I got to tell the Saskatoon side of the story. What was it like for the guys flying at Edmonton? Like what what was that day weekend like for you, and where you all ended up, and and how long everything took. Oh, just wild. And the, the funny part is we talked afterwards, me and uh, Mark, uh, that we could have taken the red eye and gotten there and been just fine, had no issue. And we would, we would have left probably only about eight hours earlier than we ended up leaving. So it's, so we had, so we left early morning Friday, I believe it was, and we were supposed to catch a connection in Toronto mid-afternoon and head right down to Philly. On the way to Toronto, there or even before we left, there was talks about this big storm coming up the east. Um, it's almost—it's actually the one that the Bills kept uh, kept getting as well, and uh, the one that they had to make their ask their fans to come and shovel their stadium out. Toronto got a lot of that, so we couldn't even land. Um, we circled for like a half hour, and the the pilot came on, and I'm already like I I, I fly a lot, but I'm not the best flyer, so I. Uh, I already didn't like it. We were circling and just running through turbulence every every five minutes, and uh, it's just just brutal for me. And then the pilot came on and he goes, "Well, we're running out of fuel, so we have to go find a different airport." Oh, geez, this is not what I want to hear right now. But uh, ended up getting rerouted to Ottawa, then rerouted to Montreal. Get in at like felt like eleven thirty, um, and then we got into a hotel at twelve thirty. Back up at at the airport for. 7 a.m., flew down to Philly. All the while, they were saying, we have to make sure we're ready to play if we have to. Because even we didn't know who was going to show up on the Saturday or not. If the SAS guys were going to get out last minute, if some, if we were going to pull some random rabbit out of a hat to get that game going or not. And uh, we get there. Me and Ken and Greniak get changed for shoot-around. We run right onto the floor. Game's canceled. You know, so... 
it's uh, it's one of those things that you just you, you prepare like you're supposed to, but you kind of know in the back of your mind that was coming the whole time. Wild. Just the gong yeah. show travel wow. life of the NLL. I'm sure you've got more travel stories, and maybe we'll have to uh, dive into that bag a little bit later on. But, hey, I, I, I want to ask about your experience in Saskatchewan so far. Obviously, it gets off to an awful start in Halifax with the food poisoning, and then eight points in three games since then. I think the Vancouver game was one of your strongest, personally. You had a couple of goals against them. Are, are you starting to feel a little bit more comfortable in the system? Because it, it, it looks like it on the floor yeah absolutely and again there's uh, some new faces around but it's, it's definitely working within the core that's been there i mean ryan and clark and and churchy like trying to get on the same page as them as quick as possible was uh definitely uh a tall task for anybody right and uh it's nice that we had some faces come in that really can uh carry the carry the ships as well right carry the boats and um like that, like man, like playing on the opposite side of Manzi, it's pretty unbelievable stuff to watch. And Cause has got one heck of a shot, and, and the big body to fly around out there. So just finding your own, finding my space as well, right? So um, I think that it's been it's been a great experience so far, and I, I just see it only going up from here. Well, I got to ask you about playing your former team in Panther City. Like that's got to be an easy one for you to get up for this weekend, eh? So I used to talk, so I was talking to my wife at the start of the season. I got a couple of revenge games and, uh, this one's been circled for quite a while. I'm, uh, I got, it's one of those things I've been bouncing around for a long time. And, uh, it's one of those things that when someone says, says no to you, you kind of keep that one in the back pocket for a little while, you know? So that one's been in the back pocket and I'm ready to kind of pull that one back out and use it. I remember before the season we talked and we had a conversation and you mentioned something about, hey, you never know how many more chances you get in this league. And so I'm curious from your perspective, you know, obviously the team record itself, it's something you're probably not happy about, but are you feeling, you know, confident that, hey, this is the best you've been feeling in your career? I talk about this all the time. I'm better. So I'm 32 now, but I'm better at 32 than I was ever at 27 or 28. That's when I first got into the league. And, uh, I just, I've been lucky enough to be coached by very good coaches late in my career. Like Sam Sedgwick, who was the O coach last year. He's my offensive coach in the summer. Jimmy was on our bench in the summer two years ago. It's been, and Steve told on the back end of our bench last year. Um, so it's been, great to have these experiences later in my career um, to still be able to extend my game further on. Like, like you said, and I still say it to you, I don't know how many of these I got left, how many, how much time this, this league has left for, for big tree, but I'm, uh, I'm definitely soaking it all up and I'm making the most of it uh, on my side at least. So, Love to hear that. Hey, Tree, can we finish with a funny story? Because you got to have one from this PBLA experience. I, every time I get to talk to someone who's played in some sort of outlaw league, there's got to be some funny story you can tell me about oh, this. We'll get two. I'll, I'll get two off the bat for you. There's, there's. Okay, so we are flying to again. I, I think it's my travel to Philly that has issues. Like I talked to Jimmy and. Uh, and when Greyneck about this, me traveling to Philly just don't mix. So we were going to play the Trenton Terror, um, just about a 45 minutes, 25 minutes outside of Philly. And I was on my way down. We flew over to Toronto. 
canceled the flight from Toronto to Philly. So we're sitting there in the airport, me and a friend of mine, Graydon Cornfield, we were both flying from Edmonton. And uh, we were just sitting there and sitting there. And they were saying, they were, they were giving everybody new flights. They were giving everybody new flights. And my flight was going to end up being to Philly after I was already supposed to be flying back from Philly. So it was just, this isn't going to work. Give me my bag. I'll figure it out. They wouldn't give us our bags. We ended up getting about an hour later from people complaining and stuff. People had already left, said, okay, I'll get my next flight. They ended up taking all the bags off out of the airport and putting them on this turnstile. So we grabbed ours. I rented a car. It was 11, 11 o'clock at night. And uh, we, rented, we rented a car, and it's about a seven and a half, eight hour drive to Philly. And uh, me and Graydon, and actually on the other team, flying out of Toronto was Caleb Wild. And he's a guy I played against for years. So he hopped in the car with us too. We said, we're just going to do it. So I drove seven and a half hours while the guys were up and like they stayed awake. They slept uh, just to get to Philly to play this game. And honestly, it was, that was something I'll tell you. That was, and when we talk about terrible travel days, those are one of the ones that that stick out for sure. Um, And then I got one more long travel day. So, these camps were kind of thrown together last minute to get these teams on the floor for like the, the training camp, I guess you'd call it. It's really as much as you'd call it that, but uh, it was in just outside of Portland, Maine, which is about two hours north of Boston. So we fly down to fly to Toronto, fly down to Boston, drive up the whole travel. day takes about 16 hours there on the way back. Flight into Toronto, then the flight to Edmonton gets canceled. So we get on a we get the next flight to Calgary, and then the the flight to Calgary, we don't get the connection. They give us they give us the thumbs up to get a rental car to drive up from Calgary. That travel day was twenty two hours for us. We left at four a.m. We got home at at two o'clock in the morning the next day. So those are some those are some ones when we talk about bad travel days. You just you kind of just take it with a grain of salt at this point because that's it's honestly absolutely ridiculous at this point. But uh, but yeah, so it's those are the ones that stick out the most. We've had some. There's a bunch of other ones where we had to get turf shipped up from Philly to get to to, to another to another site because they the turf did, that they bought didn't fit the floor and it was three feet too short on it on all ends and oh that was quite a league I'll tell you. Oh man, that's great! And then for those who maybe don't know about the PPLA, it was a semi-pro professional league that started up last year and uh, didn't quite make it through for for a few different reasons. But hey, Tree, I appreciate the stories, man. I think those are great, and it's what makes lacrosse such a special sport. Is all the funny stories you get to tell after it. So hey, I appreciate you taking the time on the podcast. We'll see you this weekend. I can't wait for it, man. Triolo versus Panther City must-watch TV coming up here. Thanks so much, Jenner. Really appreciate the time today. All right, huge thanks to Mike Triolo for stopping by on the podcast. Interesting, get the players' perspective and learn a little bit more about them. One thing, and we we talked about the forwards earlier and just how the offense has been run. One thing I want to see a little bit more of, and again, I'm not a coach, I'm not the expert, just Cody Jansen talking shop with you here, my friends, on the Rush Hour podcast. I want to see them feed the hot stick a little bit more. I, I felt, and I know Triolo had two against Vancouver uh, on Aaron Bowl, the goalie he's very familiar with. 
Like one was in the first quarter, one was in the third quarter. I want to see the hot stick get a little bit more. I know Triolo had five shots and a couple of goals. I think that there's times where you can just ditch the set plays and just say F it. We're giving it to Triolo. We're going to try and put him and, you know, Charbonneau on an island and say go one-on-one. Try stop him. Try stop six-foot-eight Triolo. In those opportunities, I'm not saying that's got to be a go-to play. I don't think, you know, Triolo would be the first to tell you, hey, hey, that's not a key to winning games all the time. But in certain situations and when players aren't feeling it, that should be your opportunity to just rip the biscuit. Just give it to them and say, hey, go ball out. I know it's not the President's Cup. I know he's not going to be scoring four a game every night. But I think that there's opportunities to utilize him in those situations. Not that I don't want to see Robert Church, Zach Manns being the main ones to take shots, but Zach Manns only having four shots on goal. I, I, I just I don't think it was his night. I think he was dishing the ball fairly well. He had four assists in it, but clearly wasn't getting the shooting looks he wanted. Vancouver's defense, their righties, no Saskatchewan's offense, Delks, Beers, those guys getting out on Manns. We knew it was going to happen, but I'm just saying. I think there's times, and it's like the messenger goals. If he's got the hot stick, let him cook. I don't mind that at all. But, all right, big matchup this weekend, Saskatchewan, Panthers City. Flip side of the coin, it's the Panthers. I don't think they're actually the Panthers. I don't really love when people call them that, but they're from Fort Worth, so who cares? Let's talk to their man of the hour now. It's Ron Thulin, play-by-play voice of PCLC on the Rush Hour podcast, presented by Original 16. Joined now by the legend himself in his 50th year of broadcasting, Ron Thulin, voice of Panther City Lacrosse Club, joins us down in Fort Worth, Texas. Ron, I'm very curious about this Panther City team. They've had their ups, they've had their downs. You saw the early struggles or close losses at home, and now the team seems to be buzzing. I'm curious your thoughts on the squad this year. Well, you know, I was kind of surprised at the slow start after, you know, they, they got their opening win, and then they just stumbled in games, and it was, you know, stumbles late. You know, they had the one game that, that uh, you know, they the score got tied up final second, and they lost in overtime, and, and it was real frustrating, I think, for all of us, especially TK, because, you know, he and, and Bob Hamley did a great job of building this team, and it was frustrating, but TK and, and, and Hammer, they – they just said, stay the course. You know, they knew they had a good team. They knew they added, they got bigger, they got stronger, they got faster this year. And they, they all, both of them said, it's going to be okay. And, you know, I think last game when they just absolutely exploded with 21 goals, you know, something like 37 assists, that's, that's incredible. And that's the team we thought we would see that can just explode on somebody. Uh, And they got a nice combination of veterans and young players and, and Nikki uh, Demood is doing a nice job, and and uh, you know as long as Nikki stays healthy, I think they're going to be okay. You've seen this team now for the past few years. What's different about Panther City this season versus last year and, and the inaugural season? Well, I think the first thing that stands out to me, there's no surprises this year. I mean, last year may have been a little surprise, but you know uh, the team had a plan. Uh, they knew the first year. 
you know, that, that they were going to, they were going to take their lumps. And last year, you know, making the playoffs was big. Um, but this year it, it, they came in with a different mindset that, you know, TK told me at the beginning of the year, you know, Tracy Kolesky told me at the beginning of the year that championship or bust. I mean, they, they knew they still, you know, can't compete with maybe the upper echelon, but I think they've proved that they can be competitive with the upper echelon. And it all starts with him. I mean, if you spend any more than one minute with him, you get pumped up and you want to go out and play. Uh, TK just has a real plan, and he, he really is an outstanding motivator. Um, I go back to his very first victory um, and his post-game press, you know, in the locker room. It was he had people just, you know, all fired up. And he really has built this team. I mean, they added a couple of pieces, which, which really helped. You know, they added guys like Ryan Sheridan and Brett Mitchell. And, and that really helped this team. They, they got a little muscle, and Mitchell showed that, obviously, last game. But, you know, you got a nice little base with, you know, you have, obviously, Rookie of the Year with Jonathan Donville, Will Malcolm. But to me, the star of this team is Callum Crawford. Uh, I mean, you know, the, the player of the week had eight goals. 14 points. Um, this guy has really done everything everybody thought he would be. And he lives in Tulsa, which is only about a four-hour drive from here. So when he comes down, he brings his family, and he's comfortable here. But the leadership that he, he and Phil Caputo have, have given this team is outstanding. Uh, you can't say enough about Callum. He just, you know, great hands, just does a little bit of everything. He's, he's just a profound goal scorer. But I, I, I think what he does for this team is more than that he provides something in the locker room. Um, and, you know, one thing he's never done is won a title. And he wants a title badly. Uh, but I think Callum is, is really the, the nucleus of this team. He's the guy that makes things go. And luckily, TK added a couple of, you know, nice little pieces around him. And then you throw in Matt Hosick, kind of banged up this year, you know, but is, is really uh, another leadership kind of guy. This team's got this team's got a nice little chemistry going right now, and I, you know, and I think last week showed the potential of what they can do. They just have to keep it going. Well, you mentioned some of the new additions like Brent Mitchell, and obviously the Edmonton Miners connection strong with Jordan Cornfield there. Ronan Push is 46 percent on faceoffs this year. Matthew Goche twenty points in six games. Uh, Cam McLeod's come in and played some meaningful minutes for the team as well, holding his own. Brent Mitchell, you know, he's as tough as they come. A Thorsby right. Alberta product. What, what's it like seeing a, a, a little bit more grit on this team? Because I, I think that's one thing that, you know, Texas fans probably do enjoy, but it also shows, like, that's what you need come playoff time. Yeah, they, they need it, and they need a face-off guy. And Pushy's done a nice job. I mean, you know, he didn't he didn't play a couple of games, um, but Bob uh, Hamley told me beginning of the year that he's the face-off guy of the future. You know, he's only 20. Uh, he's still a young guy. But the potential he's shown is great. And they had some problems. And TK, you know, there's two philosophies, obviously, in the NLL. Um, TK is not so gung-ho on face-offs as opposed to getting back on defense first. Um, but they needed that guy because a couple of times, and even the overtime game, for instance, you know, they, they, uh, they just didn't do well on face-offs. And I think that cost them. But I think that, that has been a great addition. But I think the fact they've got a little tougher. Now they know they're not going to be pushed around. They have guys that will get in there and put their noses in things. And I think that has really been a big key addition for them. But, you know, at the end of last year, again, the team told me, they said, we got to get bigger, 
we got to get tougher. And that's the one constant that uh, TK has said the entire season is we've got to be tough. You know, we're not going to let anybody push us around. And I think this year they've gradually become that kind of team. And I think that's huge because I learned a long time ago when I was doing the NBA for, for Turner Broadcasting, um, you know, I met Lenny Wilkins, one of the great Hall of Fame coaches and players, as a matter of fact, in the NBA. And he told me that teams take great teams take on the personality of their coach. And I think this team has taken on the personality of, of Tracy Koluski, you know, obviously a Hall of Famer, but he was a tough cookie and he hates losing. Um, you know, Charles Barkley told me one time he hated losing more than he likes winning. And I think that's the same thing with Tracy Koluski is he hates losing. Um, you know, wins are great, but he's just added that, that uh, toughness to this team. And it's filtered down through him and all his coaches. Uh, you know, I mean, I look at, at Toller, you know, Steve Toll, you know, Hall of Famer, obviously, you know, he wants his defense to be tough. He doesn't want to be pushed around. And he's done an incredible job of building this defense. And I think they're only going to get better because these younger guys now are getting more and more confident with each and every game. And that, that's huge for this team is, you know, every team starts out with the same goal of winning a title, but who's going to take those incremental improvements and those attention to detail throughout the season. And I think now this team's starting to do that. Ron, this has been unreal. Hey, I got one last one for you though. And you kind of mentioned sure. it earlier about TK saying, Hey, it's championship or bust this year. Now Panther city played arguably the best team in the league, the Toronto rock to a two goal, three goal game earlier this year. They were up on them with 10 minutes or nine minutes left. Is Panther right. city truly a championship team in your mind? Like, can they compete for a league title this year? You know, that's a, that's a good question. Actually. Um, I think they can't compete. Now, whether they win it or not, uh, that remains to be seen because there's so many variables, you know, from the younger guys to the injuries uh, to the great goaltending. Uh, but I think they're built for a championship run. I, I really do. I really believe that. And I think the more and more confident this team gets, the more dangerous they're going to be. But how are they going to do against the teams that have been there before? Um, you know, I, I've always subscribed to the theory that sometimes you can't win a title until you lose in, in playoffs or maybe even in a championship game because then you realize what it's going to take. TK obviously knows what it's going to take, but some of these younger players, I mean, you're going up against some of the, the best you know players in the world. These younger players got to realize that they belong here. And I think they're starting to believe that. You know, at the beginning of the year, I think they were all just kind of feeling themselves out and, and trying to find what they had to do. But you take a guy like Matu Goche, um, you know, he and Malcolm, to me, are an incredible one-two punch. And then you throw Donville in there. But Goche, you know, he's made a huge leap uh, from last year to this year. And I think you see that in the confidence. Um, you know, he's, he's just kind of a low-crease kind of guy. And, and, but he realizes that his ability, and I think Donville, when I talked to him at the beginning of the year, you know, I said to him, hey, you know, between the first and second year, you're going to be a marked man now that you're rookie of the, the year. And and he just told me, he said, listen, I know people are going to know what I do. I just got to, I've spent time figuring out how I'm going to counter all that. And I think that's the attitude you want of these young players. Okay, here's where I am, but what's the next step? And TK has preached detail, detail, details all the time. And I think these young players are understanding that, that the margin of error between winning and losing 
it's slim and it's just doing the right things at the right time. And I think these young players are doing that. Ron, I can't thank you enough. That was an unbelievable breakdown. Hey, really appreciate you taking the time. All right, my brother, you have a good season. We hope to see you during the year. Massive thanks to Ron for jumping on. He's such a legend. This guy's called so many NBA, NHL games, the NLL. And I know he'll be the first to admit lacrosse is not his first sport of knowledge. But just to have a legend like that calling games. I know in Canada, everyone talks about Joe Bowen because Joe Bowen does the Leafs, did NLL games in, in the 2000s and stuff like that. And I think he's an absolute rock star as well. But for someone like Ron Thulin to be around Panther City, to be calling games, I think that's cool as a broadcast nerd. So uh, huge thanks to him for stopping by. I could talk shop with him for hours. One thing I will say, though, and again, the conversation went a little bit long, so I didn't want to keep him for too long. The Callum Crawford stuff. Let's talk about that. Get 15 points against Vegas. But what happened in the third and fourth quarter is what I want to get to the bottom of. Because with about two, three minutes left, there's a play on the floor where there, there was kind of an injury. There, there was some sort of stoppage, and Crawford goes to the bench. And the camera pans to the bench, and you can see Crawford and one of the coaches having a very heated conversation. Not friendly at all. There was a lot of tension. There was players that had to come in to calm down the situation. There was, um, I guess you could just call it a superheated exchange. And what transpired from there was Crawford not touching the floor, hardly touching the floor for the rest of the game. He was two points away from Steenhouse's record all time, NLL games, you know, points in a game. I know it's not all about individual accolades, but Crawford, 39 years old, two points away with 17 minutes or 18 minutes left to play. He doesn't have any championships. Like It's not to say like, oh, he doesn't need the the recognition, but of course, if you're that close, you kind of want to keep it rolling. You know know Vegas is going to be out for you. That's all lacrosse players. It, It is what it is. So I don't know. I, again, if they benched him, whether it's to protect him or whether it's because there was an argument, that that's not the chemistry you generally see on certain teams. I'm not saying, hey, it's an attitude issue. I'm not saying, hey, there there's egos colliding. But it was very interesting to see a heated debate take a star player who's two points away from an NLL record out of a game with over 17 minutes left to go. Felt a little weird. Felt a little weird. I'm curious to dig and dive a little bit more into it here from other perspectives of what transpired. But I don't want to say trouble in paradise. I'm just curious to see how things shake down this weekend. For Saskatchewan, number one thing, and the only thing I want to see, I'll be happy if I see this, I want to see a full 60 minutes. I know that's a very blanket statement. I know that there's no details in that. I don't want to see this team have 15-minute collapses. I don't want to see this team have five-minute collapses. I, I think that this team is better than what they have shown. And the the sour taste that gets left behind is these little mistakes and little, you know, blips in time that just go sour. 
And for a young team, sometimes you do have to take a couple off the chin. But I think Jimmy Quinlan, Derek Cannon would tell you they truly believe that they are better than what they've shown. So I'm interested to see this team keep climbing the ladder, keep rowing the boat, and moving forward. But, hey, huge thanks to everyone who's taking the time on the pod. Ron Thulin, Mike Triolo, can't wait to see it. Joey Chestnut, halftime, mini donut eating contest against fans? Oh, if you don't have your tickets, tell a friend. Come down. Sastel Center is going to be the place to be this weekend. Jay Onright hanging out with us. Pre-game show, 92.9 The Bull. That starts at 5.30. Face-off, 7 o'clock. You can watch it on TSN Plus if you can't be to the barn. And then the post-game show, 92.9 The Bull. Perfect place to go and have a pint after in the 016 Lounge. Listen to us live up there. Or if you got to make the trek back, well, hey, flip it on in your radio, 92.9 FM. Hey, appreciate everyone again for listening to the Rush Hour Podcast presented by Original 16. It's always a pleasure. And as always, everyone, be kind, be better.